Welcome into Paydirt Sports, Will Dundon, Seth Coggin, and special guest, Toe Batista, in with us tonight. We got a lot to cover over just a... This one, I, I didn't go into it thinking how wild it was going to be, but this weekend of college football, I think for the Paydirt team, really, it really hit close to home. Uh, there's big major storylines, obviously, we got to get into. That's why we brought Toe on here. But uh, I don't know where I want to start. So first, I think we'll I think we'll kick it off with you. I think we will, you know, we're glad to have you on here. Um, we're glad to get some little inside scoop. Me and Seth have kind of touched on the whole Harbaugh Michigan thing, but haven't really dived into it at all just because we don't know all the all the details that you probably know a little better. Um, so open it up however you want. You want to recap your game this past week, what that was kind of like without Harbaugh on the sidelines or with the Big Ten coming down with just some wild news day before the game or just outrageous go, go, outrageous i, I kind of agree and or just go back to to where this all started i mean you take your pick i'll let you kind of just take it away from here yeah well first of all boys thank you for uh for having me on always a pleasure um i i think it you first need to start with just like a little bit of context of what happened here um so this connor stallions guy i know you guys just touched on it but just uh just a quick refresher so he was a very, very low-level assistant at Michigan. He did a lot of, like, the scouting, mainly kind of, like, putting together scouting reports, not actually, like, doing the Seems analysis. Seems to have done a pretty good say. job. <laughs> um, I would agree. But, uh, again, like, it was very tough to see. And part of my biggest, like, issues with this whole thing is, like, where the chain of command really lied. Um, this guy is, I would say, a rabid fan is probably putting it nicely. But, obviously, like, leads for the Michigan program. We'll do whatever it takes to ensure or help that he could ensure their success as much as his capabilities. Um, but last I year, he essentially, that. yeah, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, there's a lot of things I would do for my programs. I just had to throw that in there, but yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. I mean, he's one of us. Um, oh, I'd but, probably do worse. I can't say like, I cannot cast a stone at this guy. Yeah. If so it I, got I think tossed I, down to me. <laughs> well, that's where like, I legitimately, so uh, before I go full tinfoil hat, but I'll just set it a little bit more. But so essentially, you know, he goes to like 30 different games. He's mm-hmm. like scouting allegedly. Um, but so like it comes back and they're trying to attach it to Jim. So my tinfoil hat is like, I truly think this guy is incredibly low level at Michigan. It's no disrespect to him. It's just kind of like saying how he is. Like he's very low in the chain of command at Michigan. Right. And so a lot of it kind of gives me like what I was like, 10 years old going to like my brother's baseball games and I would piss off my parents. I'm like, why don't you just go to the concession stand and like go like get out of my face, like go do something. I truly think that's like part of what they did with this guy is like he was so gung-ho on trying to help as much as possible. They're like, all right, why don't you just go to South Carolina, go watch Tennessee play, tell us what you think. And I, I think like that's truly where I get so upset with this is yes, what he was going to these games, but there's actually no proof on like to the extent in the paper trail and what he actually gathered from these games and also how that was delivered to the coaching staff. And so I think like, yes, on the surface, this is cheating. There's no binary um, or excuse me, no gray area there. It's quite binary. It's cheating. You can't like steal signs. That being said, when there is no like discernible evidence that like he was sent emails to go scout, look for this, like he's a 25 year old. I, I doubt his, you know, he's not been on the sideline at Michigan games, right? Like, I, I don't think he's super in tune to football play calling that he could just go watch binoculars and go see what Kirby Smart's calling or, you know, their quarterback's coach is calling or their backup's calling, relaying to the other quarterback. Like, 
we go to a ton of games. Like it's very hard to even just from, you know, one row up in the stadium to see that. So like my biggest issue is when, yes, he's going to all these games, but you have no idea what he's actually collecting in the form in which he's doing so. So when like I'm the big 10 and I'm looking at this entire landscape of evidence and I see no paper trail in which Jim or any of his subordinates are explicitly telling this guy what to do, how to do it. And then how that is then ingested at Michigan. Um, I think at minimum has to be part of your investigation and when trying to figure out if this is worthy of a suspension. So that is just like the first approach. Then also for the big 10, but like what really pisses me off is two things. One from an ethical standpoint is like, they clearly did not do enough due diligence to warrant a suspension, which was clearly a half-assed suspension. Like if you're going to suspend the guy, suspend him. Like the fact that he practices, like you can, you can tell it was just like trying to be a slap hand, but also like I said, they're trying to do a delicate dance of, of the appropriate level of punishment, which in doing so shows how unprepared they were to actually deliver the punishment. So like number one, from an ethical standpoint, it's pathetic from the big 10 number two. And I almost would argue like, more importantly is amidst all of this conference realignment, like you need to align yourself with the brands that make your conference churn, whether you like Michigan or you don't, you have to recognize that they are one of, if not the top brand in college sports across the, not just football, but basketball, how much money that they generate for the big 10, the amount of, you, you saw it with like the television numbers from Penn state's game. They were like the double, um, most watched game of the weekend. Like for better or worse, people like watching Michigan play. And so, as a if you're a business and you're running your business as such, it is incredibly bad business to alienate your number one like revenue generating of the, your entire league. And so, like from both of those angles, it's absolutely pathetic on how the Big Ten handled themselves. It's juvenile in some senses. Michigan's going to come back and sue the shit out of them if I had to guess. Um, but again, it's just like you need to align yourself in the best interest of the conference and doing so, so haphazardly, I think is just a horrible signal when you're also trying to recruit other programs and other universities into your conference. So again, it's embarrassing from the big 10. If I'm Ohio state or Penn state, I'm kind of pit. Like it's just horrible signal to not back your biggest brand, or at least do the due diligence worthy to, you know, make a actual, intelligent decision which i didn't well, think everything's did. ongoing so you're <laughs> you're trying to punish in the midst of like it's just it's absolutely ridiculous i couldn't the timing is crazy myself. i'm an outside I mean, i'm an outside inside you know i'm, I'm obviously well, on the, you're I'm, in the trenches i'm a true <laughs> michigan train i am riding the michigan train i've been on the bandwagon for a long time now um and it's just it's just crazy what they're trying to do Jim I mean, Harbaugh, like the timing to do that, like while they are on the plane, like I don't know if you guys saw, like Jim found yes. out the entire coaching staff found out on his phone. So like clearly the line of communication was non-existent, which makes me whack. think that like clearly like they haven't even talked to Jim very much about the actual, you know, like instance of the cheating itself. If there's no active line of communication of like, hey, this is what you're gonna, you know, receive. So like yeah. the timing of it just also speaks to just how embarrassing and how like I would say. Who's Again, handling like some, this? Exactly. Like who is actually handling this situation? I mean, it's a horrible look for the conference. They're and bumbling like to do it, everything. They're just to do it less than twenty four hours before Michigan's biggest game of the year, and to just say, "Oh, you're like your coach." Not just cannot... Michigan's biggest game of the year, like the national biggest, one of the biggest games of the year. 
a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So that being said, I could not be more proud of how Michigan responded after that. I am, I'm really hoping that they let Jim just coach. Cause it's also like to do it for also the remainder of the regular season. So he can coach every single hour of your entire work week, except the three hours that matters most is just like, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. even that just so, shows pure incompetence. Exactly. That doesn't even exactly. make that's just nonsensical punishment. That is it. That is backwards judgment. It is. It is. It's going to reverberate as bad leadership across the nation. That that proves just ill. Yeah. Who wants to go be a top tier coach uh, when you know in the middle of a non threatening out? Like, there's not any threatening pressing you know legal matters you know you know it's not something that's so drastic you have to take such irresponsible action but here you are uh embarrassing yourself really you're only telling on yourself because also it's just sick that michigan just keeps rolling like it is a testament to the actual program that he's built there that they just take it upon themselves themselves and they just go in there on the road. Yeah, biggest game of the season. You're in turmoil. You've literally just brought the team more together. hundred percent, hundred percent. If 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 you want to really like mold a locker room together, what they just did last weekend is the epitome of that. Like that is something that truly is a like a culture defining win. I don't mean to be like too grandiose with that. But no, like, it is. When you, when no, that it's happens, funny. Like. Yeah, go ahead, Will. I was just saying, it's funny because you have this whole, you know, everyone was making fun of the Georgia players last year because Kirby Smart had brainwashed all of them into thinking that, you know, the media, like, didn't respect them or didn't think they were any good. And after they win a national championship, they start talking about, oh, no one believed in us. Like, everyone was against us. And it's like, no, literally everyone was actually thinking you were going to win. You just gave Michigan one of the best teams in the in the country real, like, real ammo to use like oh no everyone actually is against us right now they want to put our backs against the wall they want to see us put down and it's like dude yeah great way to just pull the team together well that's the thing is you know we're talking about they as in like this is you know the ncaa or you know i don't know some other governing force like this is their own conference this is like self-sabotage in Mm. some senses so it's just like it's even more so when it comes so close to home um and so yeah, what I, are they gonna do when harbaugh is lifting that trophy are they gonna celebrate are they gonna pump him up are they gonna celebrate him are they gonna still gonna be trying to slap him on the like exactly <laughs> just, well i don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here seth we got to take care of business in about no i mean i'm thinking here, of but, it but no. like that's where this that's where we're headed i mean we I at least got to consider the possibility if we don't expect it like who's gonna expect it well Toe, do you do you think there's a possibility that the big 10 was trying to figure out some sort of punishment that was severe but at the same time kind of not severe uh in just in preparation for in case the ncaa wanted to like come down hard you know like i feel like we see that sometimes with conferences where the they'll punish a team or punish a coach like tennessee like i i don't even remember what we did like if we vacated some wins or if we self-imposed some kind of recruiting thing or ban just so that the NCAA would not then come down even harder on us. Well, that's what, honestly, I think an incredibly good question, because I, I think that's something that I was trying to figure out from the last 24 hours when they came down with that suspension and before the game started is like, what's the big Ten's motivation here, right? Like this is your biggest program in a very, like I would say kind of, kind of like fickle case where there's not a whole lot of like 
substantial evidence and like of the you know the impact of it so it's like are they trying to get ahead of it i don't think they are because also this happened to michigan literally this year when the ncaa suspended jim for four games out of nowhere out of nowhere for For two weeks before the season out of nowhere for a hamburger at a restaurant on campus again like again i the ncaa their violations don't make any sense i don't think the punishments make any sense but like fine but then they rescinded it again, just showing a very sloppy <laughs> like due diligence process. So then Michigan then gets ahead of it and says, "Okay, hey, hey, we recognize we don't necessarily agree with it, but like we'll you know we'll suspend them three games." So like this has already happened to Michigan this year, where like they've gotten ahead of it. So in the in the Big Ten's perspective, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to get ahead of something, um, especially in the middle of the year, like. It's, I think, a perfectly good explanation to say, all right, we're still gathering information. We've got a big offseason in about two months. If we think it's warranted, then we can have a substantial actual punishment that we fit. I don't think there's any, like, goodwill that they're harvesting by by rushing this punishment. And, like, that's the thing that just blows my mind is, like, why the rush of this? Like, why is the Big Ten doing this? Um, and I've just come up with they are just completely inadequate at their jobs. Um and I, that's kind of my main conclusion. <laughs> as sad as that is, I just I cannot, I can't even steel man any other argument as why they actually would do it so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we'll just start kicking off, kind of going around the country at some of the games. But yeah, I mean, talk talk a little bit about the actual game between Michigan and Penn State. I saw, I mean, Michigan essentially just said, "Let's play grown man football." and run it down your throats and yeah yeah i think it was really interesting game flow mainly because uh, to start out the game like michigan threw the ball pretty effectively and like the run really was not Mm -hmm. working so like we're watching the game and they keep running the ball and we're like what are they doing like they can't stop our pass like let jj loose um and so like they played a pretty good first half like michigan's defense is really really stout and i think penn state scored a touchdown at the end of the half that kind of made it think that it was closer than it is but at halftime, I never really thought that Penn State was the better team. And I think that's kind of what Michigan realized themselves is like, look, we don't think Penn State's quarterback is any good, right? Our biggest goal here is let's not give them an opportunity to have a short field where they can kind of keep this things close. Let us, let's burn as much clock as possible. And after the fact, I think it's kind of a like a good mindset. In the game, it was a little confusing to me because, again, they were throwing the ball kind of at will in the first half they only threw it eight times but they kind of got whatever they wanted um and i I, it was confusing to me why they were so stubborn with going for the run especially when it really wasn't working like they were yes it was they were churning out first downs but it's not like they were pounding 10 yard runs on them Mm -hmm. Uh, but they just seemed very comfortable with chewing clock knowing that penn state literally could not move the football on them so i think like overall i think it was a game that michigan if I'm Sharon Moore, the, you know, the guy who – the OC who, who coached the game, his main goal of that game is let's get out of here with a win. I don't care how do, how we do it. I don't care if we're throwing the ball for 400 yards. We need to get a win. And I think their best – in his eyes, the best way they were going to do that was just kill as much clock as possible and try to let Penn State beat us, which we knew they – and they kind of figured out they were incapable of doing. Um, I don't think they're going to employ the same strategy this weekend, and I doubt that they try to do something like that against Ohio State. I think this one was more so just like – Um, you know how like, good of a you know how good of a team you have to be 
to pass the ball <laughs> eight times and win on the road at Penn State. Do you know how good you have to be in all other facets of the game? Um, that's truly, really an incredible, <laughs> incredible proof of victory. I think so, time. too. And, I, I again, I think that's, again, if I'm Michigan's locker room and I just out-physical, then Michigan had, Michigan, excuse me, Penn State had the number one run defense for any Power 5 team. So I think, like, you go, you're coming out of that game without yeah. your head coach. You ran it 32 straight times. And there was not a, not a darn thing that they could do. We should You're be talking more two. about that. Like, people should be like, dude, did you see Michigan ran it 32 times in a row, beat, like, really anyone but a good Penn State team in their place. Yeah, um, and I, I don't think, again, I don't think Penn State's offense is very good at all, to be honest. And I think that's why they kind of employed that strategy. But they have yeah. a very good defense, right? Like, say what mm-hmm. you will about the Big Ten, but, like, Penn State has a very, very yeah, good, good run defense. defense. Um, yeah. And so to do that against, again, purportedly the number one run defense in the entire country, uh, I think tells you also <laughs> the type of kind of our earlier point, the swagger that's going in that locker room right now of like, we really do not care who's in front of us. We're just going to run the same play no, 32 a, straight good, times. That's a steamroll um, right now. Exactly. So I, I think like that team has got to be, riding as high if not higher than literally any other team in the country and i know george is playing well but there's something from the mental aspect when you face that much adversity and you just know like i'm simply i just have stronger will than the guy in front of me that's kind of a special characteristic of a team and i think you're starting to see that from this michigan team and you're starting to see the benefit of several years of being of winning at like an elite club totally like you're seeing and these are guys that have done it they were there several years ago when you started to win you know Pretty much the last three years, like you've won almost, I mean, above 90% of your games, pretty much. Um, so, you know, just had a nice run of doesn't matter what's in front of us. It doesn't matter what's in front of us. Like we, we are a steam, we are the engine, we are the train. Um, so, yeah. And I think it's actually, you bring up a good point because a lot of people kind of forget like um, in 2020, that COVID year, which was a very weird year, but Michigan went two and four that year. Um, they got killed by pretty much any good team they play. And there was a lot of people who want to gym out. And there was a lot of people in the locker room currently on that Michigan team who are on that two and four team. So there's a lot of guys who all they know is winning. And there's a lot of guys specifically on the defense yeah. who have been there for four or five years and they have seen some dark Michigan years. And I think having that blend of experience and also winning culture um, is something that I think is very unique, um, especially yeah. kind of at that upper echelon of college football. So I think having that humble pie, but then also having that winning swagger and winning attitude culture um, is a really special blend mixed in with, I think this is Michigan's most talented team they've had. So, yeah, well, it's a different era, even to have those guys, those fourth and fifth year guys uh, in this, it is a crazy different, we don't even fully comprehend how different college sports, college athletics roster building is uh, now than it even was six to, you know, eight years ago. Uh, just the difference. So this is a, this is a basketball example, but they, a stat last night that said Devo Davis, uh, one of only nine players in the SEC, nine in the whole conference to have played at the same university, to be a senior at the same university that they started at. Like that is, and obviously football is a way bigger scale. You know, there's a way bigger roster number, but it is just to create a symbol of like to have fourth and fifth year program guys like true. That's what we're talking about. Program building. That's why it's so strong. Your head coach, there's all this outside noise and all this like distraction, but a true program, which Michigan has built uh, is built to just kind of stay the course. And uh, yeah, maybe it will kind of be the, 
push they need to, uh, you know, take take it all the way this year. Uh, that was that was the game I had circled at at on the road at Penn State. Uh, that's kind of the nature of the beast right now in the big uh, Michigan scheduling is like you kind of have two pretty good ga- games circled that are going to be the most, you know, b- before the season, during, you know, all leading up to it. You kind of have a couple games where, you know, these are actual realistic, you know, there's always upsets, all this kind of stuff happens, but these are realistic, uh, you know, games that are major contests. And to just go in and control the game, it wasn't a crazy, like, but just to control it. Uh, yeah. So impressive. And, God, I wish. Yeah. I, I'm just and so I, jealous of a football program that would just go on the road and just absolutely anaconda another team or just like, <laughs> just shut them down dude it would be so nice yeah and i think one last thing on, on that point is you know a lot of people <laughs> on twitter like rightfully so were kind of mocking sherrod Moore for like his post-game press conference where he's you know kind of really showing a lot of emotion saying how much he loves jim like when you have two really just big games on your schedule and like that's all your season comes down to that is immense amount of pressure to yeah. put on a guy who on the spot has to go into a hostile environment and try to figure out how he's going to bring home a win. That is immense, immense pressure. And so I think like part of that is just when you kind of have that relief of like, we did it. Okay. We did it. We did it. Like we got through this first one. This was the big first hurdle. And that's why I got a lot of respect for him. So like, I I really appreciate that just as a Michigan fan. Cause like, you know, I I know how much it meant for that. Exactly. It's also like, yeah, it's very, very All emblematic of the program itself. So I, I could not have been more prouder of, of how he looked this weekend. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's very impressive. Um, shout out, Jim, dude. All time press, dude. All time press conference for Harbaugh, too, coming <laughs> off. All, like, literally coming off of that weekend, he comes out so strong in the press. Just a legend. A tr- just a legend. How can yeah, he be I mean, doing I'm- media appearances on a Monday after being suspended all weekend? That's so damn, fu- that is so funny. Yeah, I, I just really appreciate how he's still – he's taking the uh, we're not going to back down approach. No, uh, we're yeah. Just gonna, yeah. And, like, that's, like how, that. that's how they play. And I think that's um, very good. To, you can see the instillment of that in the program. It, your it team the takes so much after your head coach. It is crazy. I pro- Like, it, it is – bar none, the team takes so much of their energy uh, is emblematic of what the head coach is instilling in them. And, yeah, Harbaugh is – his even he's still the leader even though if he's not there on saturday uh and that's what i, I would think um just a t- like team-led pro like good programs have player-led teams like where there are true player yeah. leaders and michigan has built that uh, over the years so let's go good to nice little preview of a of a serious national contender here uh is there any path that doesn't involve beating ohio state or is that pretty much the answer? Just beat Ohio it's State. Only, it's honestly it's the only answer I really think about. Yeah, I you sp- I think in college football you spend too much time on these hypothetical situations. That nine times out of ten end up working themselves out. You just got to take care of business. Oh, absolutely. So. Well, yeah. The good thing about I mean Michigan is firmly in the place of just win several more games and you're in the playoff. I mean that's it's not like it's not rocket science. Uh, it is cool how like the past I think five years now five years running the winner of that game. That's played for the Big Ten championship. It's crazy the well, amount yeah. of just consistency for both. I mean, it probably just speaks to how bad the Big Ten is, but specifically that it comes down to that game um, is that's just well. Yeah, I think for a say how good was, those I mean, two programs have been. I mean, it's that it's that side of the division when you have Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in one division. Like that is, I mean, that's solid division in college football. Um, I mean, now 
yeah, saying what's the stat on like one of those teams going to the playoff? It has to be pretty high too. Yeah. Like I think that's probably the same stat. Yeah. Well, it really you wouldn't take Penn State out of that. They've never made the playoff. Well, no, that's what I meant. Ohio State and yeah, yeah. Oh, I got you. From yeah, that just game. those two. Yeah, they've pretty much been represented. I mean, because typically it's like of... one of those teams goes to the Big Ten championship, and the Big Ten West team is like a sacrifice, basically, <laughs> just for them to get. It's and that's exactly ugly. what's happening this year, for sure. I will go ahead and say that. That who is going to make it out? Like, let's put it. Like, let me just throw this out there if nebraska would have won this past weekend they would still be controlling their own destiny to play for the <laughs> big 10 championship that's um, insane and who knows like i like that could still be the case honestly because i think iowa is in first place right now they could lose to anyone like Absolutely. anyone so dude iowa in the big 10 championship is just a slaughter that that's a that's a lamb to the slaughter whoever <laughs> makes it whoever makes it where yeah, is think, uh, uh where's the game this year? It's in no, Indianapolis, I think. Yeah. No, uh the um Michigan, Ohio no. State. Oh, it's in Ann Arbor. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, I can see another boat race, dude. It's been pretty fun to just absolutely lay the wood to Ohio State a few times. Just you're telling me the woodshed. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's over here. Like, yeah, it's been really fun this past couple of years. It has been, man, dude. I, I love it. <laughs> I've been on I'm on the ride. Oh man. Yeah. Dude, speaking of boat races, we'll kind of start hopping around a little bit in the SEC as well. I mean, Georgia. Ugly just, Saturday. Bloody Saturday. Bloody bless. Saturday. Georgia bloody. just takes care of business against Ole Miss. And it's that, I mean, chalk another, chalk another one up for Georgia. Anytime people want to act like there's a test for them, they just freaking blow it out of the water. Um, I, I don't even, I mean, I watched a good bit of that game just seeing. I mean, there were multiple just massive touchdown runs by Georgia when they were probably are they're already up a good bit. I mean, Ole Miss didn't even belong on the same field as them, uh, and I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see. I mean, Georgia is going to be playing in the SEC championship, and it looks like Bama is going to be meeting them there. I think Bama's at least getting better at the right. T- like they've gotten better throughout the season. Jalen Milrow actually looks pretty legit. I thought he's looked pretty good these past few weeks. But I don't know. I just see Georgia, they run the table. They keep going. I'm not saying they win the national championship, but I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but maybe to that Alabama team. But I'm not – I don't feel confident in that. You uh, you overlooking what's going to happen this weekend in Neyland there, Will? Neyland well, at night? They, even, if, even if Tennessee was able to pull it off, which I'll be in the building. So you know this. Toe will be there as well, but – in house, I mean, the, Georgia is in the SEC championship regardless. Um, so yeah, if Tennessee does beat them, that would be awesome. I feel like that would just add some more fuel to Georgia's fire. <laughs> you think that even make it better than making them? <laughs> we would make them better. Yeah, that would be great. Well, that's what we talked about. We said, would you accept a Georgia a beat a win over Georgia? Oh, for them to three to win the national championship. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Then I would be one to know against them for the year. So, um, no problems. Yeah, that I mean. That's a, that's a landmine. It's not. It's not easy to win in Neyland. Not many people have done it in the last twenty something games. Um, but if someone, yeah, last... is, I will say, if someone's going to do it, it, it is. It is likely. Uh, it is likely Georgia. Um, <laughs> last time, I mean, last time Tennessee lost at home was two years ago against Georgia. So yeah, there you go. I mean, look, man, are they gonna? Are they gonna lock the gates, Will? 
what do you mean? I mean, are they are they gonna lock the gates? Are they gonna throw the ball out there? Are they gonna give us a chance? They're gonna yeah, good point. Good point. Never know. Sometimes you don't want to be locked in. Sometimes you're ready to get out. I heard a bunch of Tennessee fans say uh if if Joe Milton has the game of his life, they'd actually be pretty pissed off. So (laughs) (laughs) they were like, if he does that, if we if we somehow beat Georgia, like, are you kidding me? We're gonna go nine and three and we beat the best team in the country. Like, that's a loser just... mentality dude they're, oh no they're i right agree front of you. i agree It'll beat i did think it was funny though shout out missouri dude they are i mean yeah let's legit. talk about that dude uh that that one hurt and i do want to talk about that just because of what i heard a lot of different tennessee fans saying it's so easy to jump to to i, I was actually surprised when i saw people start talking about joe milton i was like guys yeah he's not he's not Hinden Hooker, but we had a lot of problems this game. One of them being receivers dropping balls. The biggest one being letting Schrader on Missouri do absolutely whatever he wanted to all game long. I mean, that's embarrassing. And that's it's another away game where the Tennessee volunteers simply look ill prepared. Like they just didn't get ready for this game. And it's like it, it it's not even a you should need to get motivated or anything like that. It's, hey, this is a top 15 team who's really good, who's having one of the best years they've had in a long time. And you still, at this point, are still like, hey, maybe we control our own destiny right now. We could still win the East. Who knows? Uh, Obviously, prior to that Georgia game. um, I don't know. Like, I have found that with that Missouri game. You saw it when the Tennessee played Austin P. Well, not as much. That was more of a kind of overlooked type thing, but... Missouri and Florida this year where I feel like our coaching just really failed us. And I don't know that that really bothers me. And I think that needs to be taken a little closer look at Um, because I think you have the players, you have the talent. Tennessee's one of the most talented teams in the sec. You know, they have as much talent as just about anyone. I will say, you know, Georgia and Bama are a little deeper for sure, but there's no reason you should be going into Missouri and just getting stomped. I just don't I totally agree. It just, it, they just didn't show up. It, it blew yeah. my mind. Like there was, and again, I, I don't think Joe played that bad of a game, but when the rest of the team looks like they're sleepwalking on defense, like that guy literally, Trey yeah. had, he had about a hundred yards at halftime. And then the, you're still in the game at this point. And then they come out in the second half and they just sloppy missed tackles, sloppy drop passes. Like these are all things that are, again, like they're very fixable things, but it's just, it's emblematic of the fact that, their heads were just not in this game. Like I, I think you, you said it perfectly is they didn't treat that game with the respect that it kind of deserved. And it, it showed when you lose by 30 on the road like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what you want. Like that's where I'm going back and forth. Is this like, is it the players just not because it looked like that for sure. It looked like a bunch of guys just did. I mean, there was no urgency, but at the <laughs> same time, I mean, you go all the way back to Florida in the swamp a team that you beat last year, but you don't beat often in recent memory. Like, I don't think that was a lack of want to, but I do. Not think a good Florida team in the swamp either. Not a good Florida team. Yeah. Missouri's pretty good. Like, Missouri is a solid team, but Florida, yeah, that, that's even more disappointing to me is because that team is not very good. That defense is very porous. Uh, I mean, they just allowed Jalen Daniels to, like, an insane, yeah. insane, um, you know, performance. So, well, well, what is your read on that? Because it is in some ways kind of some 
repetitive behavior out of the Pauls. You've seen this. Um, yeah, that's where I'm worried. I saw it last year I, I as well want... in that South Carolina game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, um, and I think uh, like where I kind of see the pitfalls is, again, I kind of understand sometimes the first half you just you are kind of sleepwalking. It's not your game. Mm-hmm. But if you don't kind of come it together in that second half and show noticeable improvement and drive and you just kind of keep those same emotions and like there's not there's not really a whole pick me up from the team. I, I think that is kind of coaching because what are you saying to those guys? Are you saying, okay, we're fine, we're still in this? Are you guys are you saying we just got our butts kicked for the first half? You yeah. guys need to show up to play. And I think like when it is a you know, a 60 minute thing and not just a 30 minute thing. I think that is probably a little bit of coaching as well, because you could tell those guys just like, I don't, they were not prepared. I think it's a combination of, well, yeah. Okay. It's a combination of I'm concerned about hypo, just like getting guys ready and like psyching guys up. Cause that's not really his game. He's more methodical, draw stuff up like super smart guy. And I think he's motivating. Um, I think our defensive coaches suck. I'll just go with that. Like, I do think there needs to be a change on the DB coach on Willie Martinez and maybe banks as well. We'll see. But I think a major problem, and sometimes this just happens. I think there's a big lack of player leadership and you can throw that with coaching a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, like, you know, some guys are just like born leaders and some or some guys will take that task on. And I don't think there's anyone really on this Tennessee team that is willing to do that or willing to be like the top dog, the alpha. And I think maybe you had it in Brew McCoy, but he got hurt last year. But what'd you have last year? You had guys like Hendon Hooker and probably Jalen Hyatt and Tillman who were kind of the alphas on offense and you had guys on defense as well. Um, I think you kind of have that in Aaron Beasley at linebacker on on the defense, but I don't know. There's just – I mean, you see it. Like, if y'all watch the the Swamp Kings documentary, like, you see Spikes and Tebow. Like, those guys were obviously the leaders of the team, and it had a massive impact on getting guys focused, ready to go, and playing well, and doing stuff outside of just practicing games. Like, I think, I think you need that to be – to go from a good team to a great team, and I just don't think this is the year Tennessee has it. Uh, cause that's not Joe's game. I think everyone in the country can see that, that Joe is not like the big vocal leader. He's kind of immature at times. Like the dude's trash talking every game when we're getting smacked. I think a lot of people are sick of that. Um, and I don't know, just not, not a true leader. And hopefully Nico coming up is, is a guy who can, who can be that. And even guys like Jalen Wright and Samson moving forward, need them to probably step up in roles like that as well. I, I totally agree. I think some of those injuries also, I think, affected kind of the psyche of the team too, especially mm-hmm. like wide receivers where, you know, you, you end up just not having enough guys who are talented enough to make plays. On the flip side of that, though, there needs to be the next man up mentality of like, I might not be as talented as the guy in front of me, but if I'm getting my chance, I'm going to bring it. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really see that. And I think that, to your point, speaks a lot about like kind of the player locker room as well, because – if I'm the leader on that defense, I expect everybody to be dialed in, kind of synchronized and play with a lot of passion. And even when they're kind of cycling guys out, probably guys haven't played with each other a lot. It seemed like there's a lot of discombob- like disorganization and just it. I, I do totally agree that I, I don't think there's 
leaders on both sides that are holding a lot of those guys accountable. Because Joe, I, Joe's fine, but Joe is not that guy on offense. No. And I think when you lose a lot of those receivers, you're kind of looking for somebody to kind of steer the ship. And that's not on the, that current roster right now, at least not on the offense. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know. we. There's something else I, I meant to touch on this as well. Eight and four is probably what Tennessee's going to go this year. And this is why I don't want to get too critical of Hypel because I believe that Hypel's good. I believe that this is a transitional year. It's not a rebuilding year or anything like that. But you knew you had, especially at the most important position on your offense, especially for a team like a Hypel team, Joe Milton is not your guy like forever. You're having a guy come in for one year to get you to the next guy that you think is going to carry your program for the next two, three, four years in Nico. Um, I think people need to recognize that, yeah, we went eight and four this year. And yes, that is disappointing and really not acceptable at Tennessee, but also recognize that this is early in the program relatively still. So there's no need to like freak out yet. If you're a Tennessee fan, I don't think like you might go around eight and four or nine and three again next year. Hopefully you do better. Uh, but you're going to have Nico as first year starting. Who knows? But then it's like training wheels are off. You've built the program. You should be pumping in players year after year. You should be succeeding. Tennessee fans know what they want to be. You you want to be at least in that top three conversation. Uh, if you're behind Georgia and Alabama, that's okay. But hopefully we get to the point where you're competing with them every year. Bottom line is like recognize that this is not a good season but also know that that doesn't mean we have to like get rid of Hypel or anything like that. And not saying that people were saying that necessarily, but people are becoming very critical and being like, Oh, I don't know if he's got it. I don't know if, you know, he can lead this team year after year after year. Um, but yeah, uh, just, just a couple thoughts on the season. Yeah. It's always fresh after a, like just brutally surprising loss. Um, it's always a little more it's easy to be pretty yeah. critical that we're very close and that was i mean just beyond a very extremely disappointing and there's no other flat way to put that but overall it's going to be a pretty successful season um not not a lost season by any means not like a just yeah maybe disappointing from a national conversation perspective of like not quite on the level uh, of last year but also not a year that like breaks down a program where you can't genuinely expect another strong season to to follow and, you know I think that's kind of what you want as a fan even if you have a little bit of a down year you still want to see a, a very strong chance for positive you know mm-hmm. uh, I still believe yeah Hypo can lead um, to even you know better years than this because I've already seen it before at you know I've already seen it with my own eyes I know yeah. he can kind of get us to that level. And so you just kind of got to think he uh, can bounce back and, and have a good one. Uh, well, I bring Clay, that up because a lot of fans were tweeting about like, oh, I can't believe like y'all are okay with going eight and four. And it's kind of like, I mean, dude, I'm not like, a- I, th- I think we all have the expectation like, yeah, we're not okay with eight and four, but like we kind of are like right now, you yeah, know, right. it's just at that point. Yeah, you very much have to keep it in perspective as well. I mean, like last year, I think was a very surprising win total as well. So it's like to think that that's just like the bar just 
because now we had one good season. And I, I don't think that, you know, in one or two years is, um, you know, too far away, but it's like, you're, you're bringing a transfer quarterback who, you know, he's, he was not very good at Michigan. Like he, he's kind of been bounced around. Like you do have to temper your expectations based on what you got. And this year was never going to be, you know, a 10 and two, 11 and one season. You're right, right where you think you should be, which is not, it's not down. And that's the only thing that you should care about is that you are trending in the right direction. And, you know, culture takes time to build. It's not something that I think, especially in the SEC, because you're just so used to teams just dominating, um, you know, timeshare and attention span for so long that, you know, when you're trying to, it takes a, a long time to kind of pick at those incumbent guys. And so, again, it can be very easily frustrating, but like, I, I, you know, just to take it from the Michigan perspective, like Jim was one and nine, like against Michigan state and Ohio state to start his career. Like yeah. we stunk guys want him out. Like it takes time. It takes time. And so like, again, Michigan, because we played a pretty easy conference, like we weren't going eight and four, but there's plenty of people who were asking questions. And I think like it, you know, adversity is kind of something that, that has to build and really like callous in a program, not that it hasn't at Tennessee, but within like the, the current group of guys. And I think just because you have a couple bad years or excuse me, bad games doesn't mean you kind of, you know, throw the towel on the whole year. There's plenty of positive movement in the right direction. You got the guys coming in. Um, I think it's just kind of prisoner of the moment, but then also realizing like this was never going to be the year anyway. So. Yeah, things the margin of error this year was so small for Tennessee. Totally. Um, like they, if things were going to have to fall perfect and they just, you know, quite haven't um and, and Joe Milton hasn't a, a lot of the loftier when people put really lofty expectations on Tennessee this year was a kind of unbased faith in Joe Milton and just like the prospect of I understand <laughs> I understand why people might uh get excited and be like well if he truly pans out to everything we think he could be in our heads yeah tennessee might be pretty good uh, but he has limitations as a quarterback and th- therefore there are limitations of the offense that didn't really exist you know kind of that's why college football is kind of crazy because last year i mean tennessee's offense just couldn't be stopped by anybody uh this year they've won games completely different uh they've been a pretty good team doing things very different um, so if you kind of can put some philosophies together, uh, put more of a complete team out there next year, there's no reason you can't have, you know, really high expectations uh, again. And I think Tennessee fans do need to, it has been a long wandering time of like, dude, going eight and four and still feeling like you're on solid footing going into next year is not really a problem. Like, yeah, it's not it's not everything you hoped it would be, but it is not a problem. Trust me, I know what a problem is, and it is not it is not a. Let's problem jump into all. that. Well, we gotta we we've been on for not quite an hour, but there's a couple things I want to hit, and yours is one of them. So let's just jump into that. Yeah, so dark dark days here in Arkansas, just straight up. Um, <laughs> like, you had your firewall was, game. Yeah, I can't believe, and we even talked about it here. I can't believe Sam's not listening. If he was listening, he would have won that game. I mean, for sure. Um, but no, my personal I've given I've given Sam Pittman so many, so much grace, so much leash. All I ask, my personal firewall for me to keep my support going forward was to beat a mediocre Auburn team at home against a year one head coach, like you're a year four SEC head coach. 
all I ask, this is generous as I can be in in the bounds of my own brain. All I ask of you is to take care to just be any way possible a mediocre, barely bowl eligible Auburn team in the first year of a head coach. That's all I wanted. Like that would have been enough to me. And not only, not only do you lose, not only do you lose, you get absolutely embarrassed. You get curb stomped at home. You get Hugh Freeze making disparaging comments about our football team and thus our football program. You had set you had a full house even though you've been terrible so far. 3 and 6 just extremely disappointing and losers. You had the fans are infallible. You had a full house there to watch you play Auburn. A bad Auburn team too. You had a f- because we wanted to support, and that's what you bring out there. That's the product you put on the field. Your back is squarely against the wall, and you know that. Your back is squarely against the wall, and that's the product you give us. I have no faith in this. I have no faith in faith in this administration. I have no faith in this program. We're not going to turn it around. It's done. It's 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 done. It, there there are there have been times where you can imagine hope and turnaround and like. Sure, I guess as long as you're still breathing, there's a chance that a, of a miraculous turnaround. But in, in no rational part of my brain believes that Sam Pittman is capable of being the man to lead that turnaround. Uh, people are stuck in archaic years. The year is 2023. A rebuild doesn't have to take five years. A rebuild can happen in one to two seasons. You can absolutely vault yourself into a different playing field um he's lost i don't even understand after the bye week he makes the change at offensive coordinator and somehow the team shoots off whatever energy it had left to go win at florida an insane like fun energetic you think for once maybe the the positive part of my brain wanted to believe that they had maybe found something that they had found. I dragged my butt up to Fayetteville and up to Bentonville for the weekend to go watch and go support the Razorbacks and Sam Pittman. I'm there for you. I'm there to get this win. And you just you just embarrass me. I don't even want to. I don't even want to cheer you on anymore. I'm embarrassed by this program. Um, and it's got to happen. I, I think it. I think. Publicly, it has not happened, but I believe Pittman. All sources indicate to me, all feelings and energies indicate to me that he is already, uh, the wheels are already in motion on replacing him. I think that's being done a little bit behind the scenes um, so that it can be a pretty smooth transition into, uh, you know, hopefully our next head coach. um, Who's on the short list? I don't even care. I really don't even care. I'll blindly support whoever they hire. I'm not even kidding. I'm blindly support. I'll trust your check. Look, your check made, and people have made the comparison. I wouldn't make the exact comparison. People have compared, uh, you know, Hunter, your check hired Muss right after Mike Anderson had been there and been like mildly successful, but was just not really moving the needle anymore. Um, he hires Muss. So that's been his main hire, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. So hopefully, you know, got to have trust in the AD. 
and the people like I'm not in charge. If it was up to me, he's he would have been gone after the Mississippi State game. But that is why it's not up to me, probably because they're uh, a little more in tune to what's going to be uh, best for the program going forward. But man, you got to make just makes a solid hire. Um, I honestly I want the coach from James Madison. Uh, <laughs> I want uh, I was going to uh, say Jamie Chadwell. Well, Jamie Chadwell is one that, you know, seems to seems to be kind of a hot name thrown around. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want a program builder uh, and I'm his I'm blank. I'm uh, blanking on his name. It's a, some Shig Moochie or uh, uh, whatever James Madison, whatever his coach is. Anyway, coach under Nick Saban, program builder or program builder. I want someone that's going to come and care about every single aspect I am tired, and this is co- this is just a long-winded. Thanks for letting me vent a little bit of my frustration. I am tired of having a coach that's just confused all the time. Your team, like we said, your team takes on the character of the coach, and the coach doesn't know what he's doing. He's <laughs> he's literally admitted as much that he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on in the program. He doesn't know what's going on in his timeout decisions. Like he has mismanaged so many tiny in-game things that coupled with his just <laughs> like the Polar just, Express playing in the locker room. At I mean, halftime. what an insane headline to even have to manage when you're down. <laughs> Arkansas was down twenty-one to nothing, and they had taken six offensive snaps in the football game. That's true. That's unbelievable. Y'all gave up. When, y'all gave up a punt return or something. Yeah, right? gave up a punt return. Like that's your back was against the wall. That was your answer. Like when people show you who they are, believe them. He showed me he's a a loser, and I I wish the man no ill will. Legitimately, have no ill will towards Sam Pittman as a human being. But as my football coach, get the heck out! Like please, please, please step down, resign, take your buyout, go to your lake house and just live your life and not have all these people hate you, dude. There's a lot of just like vitriol. When you, you fail this badly, it's pretty, it's been pretty spectacular failure this year um, by Sam Pittman and all involved in the program. And when you lose me as a fan, you have done and gone and you have gone and done it like that. You've taken it to a, a bad, bad state. I'll tell you what, Will, eight and four sounds a whole lot better now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I would I would scratch and claw. I would do so much for eight and four. I would I would do nasty things for eight and four. <laughs> oh well, that just brings me to we I mean there was there was we lost officially... Auburn 4810, by the way. That's the yeah. like that's what actually happened on the field. Just disgusting level of incompetence. Like a bad Auburn team. So embarrassing. Well, and there was in a there was another coach. There was an actual official coaching fire in the SEC following what was it? Like a 30 point. Well, dub. there was two from the same game. <laughs> two coaches. Yes, from there the were same two. Game. Sorry. Uh, yeah, apologies to uh, uh, Mississippi State's head coach. That yeah, I'm Zach already... Arnett didn't make Arnett. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, poor. I mean, guy didn't really have a chance. Didn't yeah, seem he like did not not bring it. He had a chance, but he did not take it. Correct. That's a good way to put it. But so, yeah, the uh, the the big name that we had been calling on. I mean, probably Jimbo, since the start of this podcast, Jimbo. Seth has been adamant about. Jimbo Fisher not not being the guy not not gonna be able to get it done and uh yeah he wasn't so 
Jimbo Fisher out. A&M's got to pay him like 24 grand a day for like the next however many years. That's um what a beautiful See, I'm in such a weird headspace because for so long I've been I've been excited for the day when Jimbo gets fired. I've been I really have. I've been praying on his downfall. I've been a hater, dude. I've been a straight up hater. And the day finally hits and then it strikes me that he's the real winner. I'm 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 the loser. I'm the hater. And now I guess I'm just almost jealous. Um and it's just beautiful that now it puts AM behind the eight ball. Um we knew it was coming. It's been inevitable. Like we I told you that I've said on this take that he was coaching to get fired. Like he literally has not, he has just not brought it. He has not cared. Uh, he has been looking forward to that payday uh, for at least the last like 18 months. Like I really truly believe he's just kind of really had that in his mind. Like, you know, I could just do bad enough to just get canned um, and life would be a whole lot easier. 77 million to not coach. Um, honestly, it is a baller move by AM. Um, Did you see AM pull out the. That check at halftime. Oh yeah, you guys see that picture? Epic that was unbelievable. What they do? A&M. I didn't see it. <laughs> they had a. It was a picture with their AD and I presume one of their biggest, uh, one of their biggest donors, donors. and it was yeah. a check of seventy-five million dollars. They presented at halftime to the game, it's which is presumably the check to fire Jimbo. Oh my god! <laughs> a convenient amount. Yeah, I mean, it was it for all intents and purposes. It was. I mean, that was the money. I mean, yeah. it came from somewhere. That's awesome. You know, I would like to know what the power decision, like who who's really pulling some strings. Um, everyone. I gotta imagine if you're giving and... the school seventy five mil, yeah, you're. Uh, they'll, they'll take yeah, it. You do have a set. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can tell me who to fire. Like me sitting here in my on my back porch, I they they're not gonna listen to me. But if I did hand them a seventy five million dollar check. I guarantee you I could have They're a pretty good calls. say <laughs> in what's going on. Yeah. Just embarrassing for my program to be hung up on, you know, people are talking about Sam Pittman's buyout, which is like at most like $16 million. And yeah, I mean, I get that that's a big chunk of money, but like how unserious are we that that would hold us up when A&M, your literal division rival has just ponied up $78 million <laughs> and you're sitting there like, oh, $16 million. Like, are we, do we ever actually expect to compete or play at this level? Like, what are we doing? Uh, we're, we'll see in a few weeks here whether he, we are going to make a move. If we're not, it's going to be a long, dark offseason that no one will care about, and there will be no excitement or no energy in the program at all. It would take a firm miracle at this point for Sam Pittman to, like, win eight games or more. Yeah, eight eight games Uh i mean seth we talked about it a few weeks ago we were saying you were saying you were like yeah he's gotta like basically win out except for one or something yeah he's already lost two yeah exactly and the fact that it was just a beat down too by auburn like you said a mediocre auburn with a hugh freeze in his first year there i mean it's just not good yeah this year they have put forth and it's even crazy like they have put forth the most pitiful performances at home with really good crowds like at the BYU we lost to BYU actually hold up shout out Cougars somewhere in a BYU mini <laughs> the Cougs um 
Seth just hopping on everybody's bandwagon these days. Dude, I, well, yeah, I was on the Cougars last year, and then they beat us. I was tough to see that. I can't lie. Seeing the Mormons celebrating my stadium this year did put me some angst against uh, <laughs> Sam Pittman for sure. Like being there in person, watching them celebrate, that really started to build up just the. the, the Dude, angst. they're not great this year either. That's the thing. Oh, they're terrible. They're yeah. terrible. They just lost by like 30 to Iowa State. Iowa like, State, yeah. Uh, dark days, man. Hopefully we could get, yeah, I mean. There's some good names out there, like Trailer, like Jeff Trailer from UTSA. Um, people are he has some Arkansas ties. Uh, there, there are pe- there are good coaches out there. You know, Leopold at Kansas uh, gets tossed around a yeah. little bit. I, I would like a guy like that, like um, someone that's just runs some kind of system, like actually knows how to be a head coach. Uh, and that was the knock on Sam, and he kind of overcame that at first, but like. It's shown time and time again that he doesn't really know how to be a great head coach. Um, and it's just it, – it's rearing. It's He just looks defeated, not a good leader, not not someone I want leading my program going forward. Um, I'll throw out my offer again. I'll do it. I will do it for free. Um, like the money does not have to be an issue. Uh, firmly, zero dollars. I, I, I will give every waking second um, to the football program. Uh, free of charge pro bono um but i i think i'd like to think i could i've also thought about this like dead serious dead serious hypothetical given the same roster same schedule and everything do you think eric musselman could have as good <laughs> if, if not better record than sam Pittman this year what's the record Three and seven. Who'd they beat? We beat uh, Western Carolina, Kent State, and Florida on the road. We have one uh, yeah. legitimate. We have one Power Five win. Yeah, he could do that. That's what I think so too. I mean, I'll tell <laughs> you right now, Sam Pitt, I don't think. Home. I don't think. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think he probably gets another win. I think he I, probably beats Mississippi <laughs> State. Yeah, he beat. I Mississippi State this, this is, is terrible. What, this is what baffles me. Like I feel pretty confident. Man, I mean this is dangerous, and a lot of people might laugh at me, but I feel pretty confident I could have taken Arkansas's team against Mississippi State and coached to a victory. By by yeah, like I mean, I, I mean I'll, I'll call I'll call that offense. That is a pretty arrogant stance, but I will take that stance <laughs> as well. <laughs> like you, yeah, I get it. I mean. I probably need someone to call defense. I wouldn't be as familiar with that, but I feel pretty confident I could put some put some more points on the board than Arkansas. Oh, you're did. saying call offense? Yeah. I don't think I could call offense, but I do think I could get the team excited enough to Yeah, go. that's the thing. You don't even have to call anything when you're the head coach. I'll just put on I'll just put on a helmet and bash everyone's head. Yeah. <laughs> I get people pretty pumped up. I can see like Harbaugh doing that kind of stuff. Like putting on a helmet and just bashing people. Yeah. Dude, I love Harbaugh. Real quick, who do we think? Do we have any uh, any rumors on who A and M might hire? Because they, I feel like, have to be talking about it like um, yesterday. There's lots of rumors, but I feel like we're so early that everything's just a rumor. Yeah. You know, like could they steal anyone? I've heard Lanning. I don't think Lanning leaves Oregon for A and M. No. He's. I, I mean, so. he's killing. Well, what, he's got right those now. guys cooking right now. No chance. Yeah, and I'm sure that I'm not gonna say they match anything, but Oregon's gonna get Oregon's gonna pay them, you know. 
just got a fat war chest now that they're in the Big Ten too. They got I think he's right. got zero incentive to leave. Yeah. No, they're not getting landing. Pipe dream. Dude, I bet they get Dabo. That'd be awesome. I have go heard from Dabo, Jimbo thrown to Dabo around. would be the coolest thing ever. <laughs> That would be hilarious. I don't that's even my think cho- that's my pick. And I bet I could see them doing something like that. Dabo is like, I don't think Clemson's really that upset. I don't know any Clemson fans, but Dude, what's Dabo, Clemson going to go seem like Jimbo 2.0? Legitimately. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it would. Except Dabo, 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 Dabo had like a mini dynasty going there, though. At Clemson. How many, he won three, didn't he? Did he win three? I didn't know if it was two or three. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. I think it was just two. That is pretty impressive. But, but it's like, dude, I mean, he's he's a king there. Like, he that's the difference. Like, he is the guy for Clemson. Like, they're going to build him a statue. Jimbo's never going to be like, I mean, you got Bobby Bowden from Florida State, you know? Like, there's, there's, there's levels. Yeah. Well, but I wouldn't hate seeing it. I think that would be hilarious. That would be so, dude, I would love that so much. That would be so funny to me. I think it'd be funny if Kiffin went. Like, that's a funny rumor that pops up all the time. I love that. I love that it always pops up. I love it because Ole Miss fans get so mad. They're like, he would never leave. And I'm like, no, he would I could leave. See, like, I could see it, Dion going to AM. That'd be awesome. If they want to hire really him. for me. I like want if, Dion at Arkansas. That'd be awesome. I would take him. I would I, like to if see. If we're that. gonna lose, I'd at least rather us lose and be cool. Now we literally we're losers and we're dumb and dorks like in losers. <laughs> we're watching the Polar funny. Express in the locker room down twenty seven three at half. Yeah, the most <laughs> joke clown show of a program. Like, I'm so I'm I'm done. I, I'm so over this. I'm so over Arkansas Razorback bat a football. The basketball team has shown me success and just brilliance. Like Must has just shown me excellence. Can be capable in Fayetteville. Seth, we're gonna send you that that Jim Harbaugh crew neck in the in the mail. Hey, I need that. It's a good looking sweatshirt. I actually put an offer on a Michigan little uh thing right before we got on, but I just got word that it sold just this just this evening. I would I'd rock that. I love that block M, man. There's something about that navy blue and maize, baby. You gotta see. There's you gotta see some about money that football. Blue and maize. <laughs> I know. It's oh, a EGF's got a big house. It's it's a pretty the big house. The best way I describe it is it's a it's a very like pretty stadium. Like it's beautiful and it's old school. You feel historic walking in. Oh, that'd be and good. it's kind of cool. To correct me if I'm wrong, I I I feel like when you walk when you're walking to the stadium, it's like elevated. No, like is it? I feel like so when that- I was walking to it, you like see it. You're like looking up at it in the distance almost. Yeah, it's it's you walk like up to it, but then as you get to the stadium, you walk down to go to like okay into the actual stadium. So yeah, yeah. you're right there. I just have this like vivid memory it's of like the house on the walking. hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just like, dang, that's the like the big block M. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, nice. it's romantic. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, any anything else we want to cover before we uh sh- shut her down? Seth, mm-hmm. you got anything? Uh, no, not particularly. Football season actually has been. Just pissing me off. Uh, the Titans suck. T- Titans <laughs> suck. I'm done with. Ra- hey, I'm. I will not. I will not be sad when he gets traded to the Patriots. I literally won't 
care a single bit. Vrabel's a dick. Vrabel's a dick, and now we're losing, and he looks even stupider. Yeah, it was cool when we were winning. I was like, sick. We got an alpha at our as our head coach. Like he's a beast. He's a football guy. But no, he's, he's now we're not asshole. good, and he still just thinks he's super. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I still out. think I like out. him. Not gonna lie, I think I still like him. But I mean, I well, I'm capable of liking him, but he's he's not in my good graces at the moment. Probably because we've lost uh 13 out of our last 16 games. Well, yeah, they need to change everything. That's where I'm at right now <laughs> with the Titans franchise. Yeah, but they, he's been he's been there long enough and been in control long enough to change everything. No, no, no. I'm saying, yeah, now they need to change everything. Like, yeah, get rid of That's fine. If you get rid of Vrabel, that's okay. I will miss him. I appreciate the Vrabel era. There was a lot of good moments, but. Yeah, it was pretty fun, but. I'm you got to get a whole new look for the Tennessee Titans for sure. Yeah, I'm just over it. Yep. Real quick, still room, on, still room on the Lions bandwagon too, Seth. If you want to join, oh yeah, yeah I actually, love I love Dan Campbell. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm right up there. Maybe I do need to make a little trip up to the, uh, to the mitten up there and really enjoy my time and get inundated. I am a f- true free agent because football weekends have been nothing but just pain and just me good good thing life is very good i'm very thankful and live a very blessed life where like i do i get to do fun things and and have cool experiences and i really enjoy the people around me and the things around me and like you know uh because football has just drained the joy out of my life this fall (laughs) like it has been just one it's like one gut punch after another of just like you suck right in my face but we keep standing and we're gonna be there uh, we're gonna keep getting up, but man, it would be nice to just like go back to back and have a good weekend and like actually win and uh, whatever. That's why I'm a Michigan fan. This could turn out bad. It usually turns out bad for whoever I back, but Seth, we welcome you with open arms. I appreciate you. That. You, you deserve this. This is there different. <laughs> Real quick, Seth, it's America's I team. I, I think we did this last week, but we'll just do it. Again, as we update, uh, as as we get closer and closer to the playoff, give me your give me your top four, and then tell you go, and then I'll go. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and take uh Michigan. I'm going. I'm sticking, dude. I I still I got my Oregon Ducks. Um, I think they're gonna make it, and then I want to go with uh Alabama and Georgia. I think there's gonna be fairly good chaos, and I think. Alabama's going to win the SC championship game and finish as a one loss SC champion. And then Georgia is going to be back their way in as the one loss. um, Another one loss team. I think Texas may lose again or something. Mm. Um, I think that's. uh, Yeah, I really don't know. I just kind of I just think that'll happen. (laughs) Spin the wheel. Yeah, I spin. Yeah, who cares? I'm I mean, it's all about the Wolverines. Yeah, it doesn't matter exactly. You put three teams in front of us, but yeah. I think it's actually going to be. I think it's be Michigan. Um, I actually think that Alabama is. I think they're they're kind of playing with some juice recently. I like what I've seen out of them. I, I think so um, too. I think they're going to beat Georgia. I think Florida State's going to go, and I think Washington's going to go. I think uh, I think Georgia's going to be left out. Actually, my hot take. Mm. All right. Yeah, that's pretty. So, fair. so will Washington and Oregon play each other? 
Did we ever? I've asked that the past couple yes. weeks. Yeah, they're okay. playing the Pac-12 championship. Okay. If Oregon takes care of business and wins out. Okay, I'm also going with Michigan as they're, yeah, they're in the playoff. Um, I think I'm going to go with Florida State. I think if they were going to lose, I actually picked Miami last week. Seth, you remember oh, that? I, for, I, I kind of forgot about Florida State. I'll be, I'll be dead honest. <laughs> well, I picked, I thought Miami was going to upset them for no reason other than I just felt like it. And they kind of came close. And I think that was, that was it. That was Florida state. If they were going to lose their, their kind of letdown game, that was it. So I think they're just going to win out and get to the playoff and get smacked by someone. Honestly, I just don't think they're on the, I don't think Florida state's on the same level as Michigan, Bama, Georgia, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. Texas. I don't think they're on that same level at all. But anyway, so Florida State, Michigan. I'm actually going to go with I think I'm going to this is where it gets tough because I kind of want to say Bama as well. Um, I want to say Bama and Oregon. I think Oregon's going to avenge their loss to Washington. However, I don't know if Texas will lose again. So that's where it gets tricky. If Texas wins out, do you have to put them ahead of Bama for beating them head-to-head early in the season? Or do you just go with the eye test, and if Bama's looking good, you put them in as an SEC champion? That would be a crazy uh, hypothetical for the committee. It is going to be shaping out to be – there's six teams you could make probably a pretty legitimate argument who all could have kind of either – you know, you mix and mass one loss. Um well, there's, there's a, very there's a chance, too, right? Scenario that you just have Oregon, four. Texas, and Bama, who all win their conference with one loss, who one of those yeah. guys is getting out. Yeah. And I was going to say, there's a chance, too, right? It it all works out. We have four undefeated teams. You got Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington. But I think we're all assuming that doesn't happen. Um, I don't know. I think that's something to keep an eye on as we move forward. Because uh, I, I don't know. I like the way Milrose playing specifically at Bama like people were super critical I mean lost his job for a game at the beginning of the year um but dude is just a freak athlete and is making it difficult on defenses so I don't know I just like the way they're playing and Georgia still hasn't played like a top-notch defense I don't think really so I mean they're gonna play their first true like road game like tough road test this upcoming weekend um but I think playing Bama would be the first like all out like crazy defense they would play all year. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, excited for it. But anyway, uh, guys, thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports. Check us out on Twitter at Paydirt underscore Sports on Instagram at Paydirt Sports. Uh, happy to have our friend and guest on Toe Batista. Go blue. Check him out if you need any uh, crypto advice. Check him out at the pinky toe, something like that. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week. Go Blue. Thank you, boys. Go Blue.